Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndre, here with Bill Goldberg. Hello. Good morning, brother. How are you? You know, uh, I could be better, I could be worse. But uh, <laughs> all good, man, all good. Uh, right. How's the ranch? Well, you know, that's, a, that's an extremely long story, dude. Uh, <laughs> I mean, where do you begin? My wife's taking care of a giraffe right now. Uh the garage got struck by lightning the other day. Trans- really? The, the generator pretty much exploded. Uh, wow. But it still worked. So Generac, way <laughs> to fucking go, boys. <laughs> yeah, in- impressive. But it didn't, uh, it didn't ruin anything else? No, it didn't, amazingly. I mean, literally, Gage and I were watching television in the middle of the storm and we both felt like we got hit by, I mean, we felt like it hit the house, but it hit the pole uh, closest to the garage. And yeah. so right when that happened, everything went dead. The whole, the house went dead. The garage went dead. Generators immediately kicked on. And, uh, you know, that's how it was for a day and a half until we got power back yesterday. And then we investigated the, the generators. And I'll send you a picture of it, but the in, in, inside of it blew up. So we bypassed you know, a couple things and it, it, it still worked. I could not believe it. It was amazing, but you know, it's all good. I mean, a little scary also, like what are the chances of that? It seems like, I don't know. It feels like you should buy a lottery ticket or maybe throw it out a sports bet over, you know, and, <laughs> you know like, and, and, and pay the money to bury the lines. Yeah. As opposed to looking at them. Like we spoke about, about, Two years ago, yeah. Uh, quite obviously, if the lines weren't visible, then they wouldn't have been hit. But you know, it is what it is. There's, there's <laughs> they don't put like something on the pole to 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 counteract that. Like it seems like at this point, logic would tell you that that would probably be the case. But I'm I'm not the electrical engineer by any stretch of the imagination. So I mean, I, I don't. You would think there'd be preventative measures, but yeah, something like something high up on the top going. If it's going to be struck by lightning, it's it's it would be attracted to this particular thing that's grounded to the earth or whatever, you know. But I I guess I guess not. I guess people are just like, eh, what are the chances? And you're like, chances are pretty freaking good out here. I mean, yeah. Now the question is, when people go lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place i guess we'll roll the dice and find out right i ain't rolling that i, I, I <laughs> not possess those dice nor am i going to roll them so, yeah uh yeah that i don't know can you hear it when it happens or just well, hear the explosion or I yeah mean, like i mean when it when it hits when lightning strikes a pole i guess 
maybe you don't hear it hit the pole, but then you hear, I don't know, the generator pop or explode or something. Well, I mean, think about it. Uh, if lightning hits and you hear the lightning, there's no way you're going to hear anything else. Yeah, you wouldn't hear anything else, probably. I mean, that lightning, literally, Gage and I were standing in the living room, and we both looked at each other right when it happened, and we, we, we thought the house got hit. I mean, it did, like, a quarter of a mile away, but, yeah, it was terrifying. Uh, yeah. I'm just surprised it didn't fry everything everywhere, but, you know. That's I mean, Texas do as the Texans do, man. I'm rolling, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Those guys, but I don't know. That's that's a incredible story. Yes, I'm just ecstatic that nothing caught fire. I mean, the whole place didn't. I don't. I don't know. I'm just. Yeah. Very thankful. Yeah, I. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all right. Well, uh, what were you guys watching on TV? Were you watching the Indy 500? <laughs> we actually were watching part of it. No, that was after. That was afterwards. That yeah. was afterwards. But yes, I watched the race. It was an awesome race, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. <laughs> so Indy, Indy 500. I mean, no secret. Joseph Newgarden won the race. His first time winning the Indy 500 on his 12th time out. Uh, 12 years uh, going after it. He's a fantastic driver. He's got a great team with uh, Roger Penske. Um, and he made one hell of a move on that final. That last, that last lap. I mean, uh, first of all, I mean, really just going down as one of the fastest Indy 500s out there. Qualifying, they they're pulling some of the fastest times out there. Uh, it was it was pretty pretty incredible to see. Um, you know the drama all around uh, getting Graham Rahal in the race, and and he he was. He was doing well and making up time, but he was, you know, uh, that whole thing of like he didn't qualify, and then there was the accident, and he got the seat in the other car and Wilson's car, and and then on the starting line, his car does not start, and literally at the beginning of the race, he he doesn't it doesn't start. They had to pull it back into the pits. They had to swap a battery, and he's in the car yelling them, going, "It's a battery! It's a battery!" And the the backup battery wasn't in the pit with them. It was like on the cart that somebody else had, and they're like, "Get back here! We need the battery." <laughs> so basically, they only had a couple of like pace car laps to get out there because if he didn't get out there within a certain time, how I understood it was, then he's just out. You don't if you don't start the race, you don't you're out. He got it just in the nick of time. Went out there with cold tires and no warm up. Two laps down right from the get-go. Two laps down, which is almost impossible to make up at the Indy 500, even with yellows. Uh, He made up some time. um, He drove well. And like a lot of the racers, he was part of the carnage at the end of the race where uh, he got... He didn't even get to finish the race at the very end with, I don't know, a handful of laps left. He got bumped and he was out. Uh, Simon Pagano, a friend of the show, if you guys know, um, he was doing great. He was a he looked like he was a shoe in for a top 10 finish. And then, yes, he ended up getting bumped from behind and he was off and and he didn't get the finish as well. But uh, just how many. So my question is, how many races have ended like that in the last 
five minutes, there's three red flags. Yeah, so three red flags. That I ha- I I don't know. It seemed pretty rare. They were talking about it on the air. Uh, and they were kind of hoping to get like two, three laps at the end. But the last lap, <laughs> I, I saw the red and then they're like one lap to go. And I was like, oh, it's done because they're just going to do it under a yellow. Right. I thought that after the first red flag, just because, you know, you're a pessimist and you're going, ah, shit, man, I waited this yeah. long. Great race, a lot of drama. And they're going to end it on, you know, on the red flag. But and, three times. and honestly, after the first red flag, if they would have called it, that probably would have been like a more satisfying thing for everybody, not because of the sprint at the end, but because there were so many more cars that would have been able to finish. And they all would have went down in the books of going, you know, in the points and going, we finish here, we finish here, we finish there. But the last lap was a white and a green, which was sort of a call made by IndyCar. It's not a normal practice. It's normally two laps minimum. And they're like, it's Indy 500. We're going to call it. We're going to do a sprint. But uh, Palo got hit and spun out. And he was, I don't know, could have won. He was in the top three right there. And so after the fact, he's going back to IndyCar going, was that the right call? Should we default back to the lineup? If he would have won, he wouldn't have said a word. Yeah, right. But, I mean, that's a, it's a, pretty big thing i think at this point indycar's like we call it it's done it's over we already had the banquet wards were handed out like <laughs> you know what i'm saying like everybody ate their steak everyone's fine like we're, we're we're moving on um just but that last lap sprint and erickson would have been a back-to-back winner marcus erickson won last year he would have been back-to-back winner which that would have been exciting to see for sure Joseph Newgarden right behind him and just gets in the air, was able to slingshot by him and, and was take awesome, the win. Man. I was and then, trying not to get drafted at the end at that final turn, the final straightaway. He was zigzagging him off, man. It was just killer. It was, it was, it was cool. It was cool to see. And you know, I I would have loved to see Erickson win. I would have loved to see Polo win. I I'm happy to see Newgarden win. Like it was all very exciting for me to watch because. All of those guys are great. And by the way, if if you guys haven't been watching the the Road to Indy uh, that the show on the CW, it's I don't know, they're doing like a half a dozen episodes. Um, they've done a few, and then it's on th- Thursday, and I think one more. They'll probably do one more after this, after the Indy Five Hundred, so they can put together their footage and talk about the drama. It it's worth watching. Like even though the Indy Five Hundred's done already, and we know. Th- the results of all the races, Grand Long Beach, St. Pete. It's good to go back and see because you you get a, a sort of an inside look into the lives of some of these guys and how they train and what they do and and hear a little bit of their story. So it makes it a little bit more personal and it makes you want to root for these guys more. And you may end up with a favorite after watching the series. So I'm looking forward to the last like two episodes. Um. Well, that kind of stuff is great. That kind of stuff is terrific because it gets the it gets the viewer, you know, personally invested. In, in- it, you know, it, it's like I said, it's only like six episodes. Uh, at this point, um, you could probably go back on demand and 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 binge watch it, and it's it's pretty cool to see. Uh, Indy five hundred, three hundred thousand people there in attendance. Um, also, nearly five million people watched on uh, on NBC. 
um, which is up a few percentage points from last year. So they did a great job there as well. Uh, can we talk about for a second? Can we talk about Kirkwood uh, Kirkwood's accident? By the way, Kyle Kirkwood, uh, like in crazy accident. His right rear tire. Uh, first of all, he went upside down, and that's scary. Now, what's scary is he he took he started taking his freaking helmet off. Or he opened his shield. Yeah, so, yeah, so I, I was looking at that. And I went back and I replayed it because I DVR'd it. And I was like, what What was he doing? I think what he was doing, he was he was taking his hands off the wheel to not break his wrist because it was yeah. jerking around. I and I that. think he was trying to grab his helmet. And he was just, I just think his fingers kind of got caught in the visor to pop the visor up. And I was like, because why would you do that on purpose? I don't think he did. But he he, after it, in his interview, he brought up a really good point of course is first of all the the windscreen and the halo and the windscreen what a lifesaver um mm-hmm. and then he was sliding backwards which means behind his head where more of the roll bar is is the better way to slide if he was oh, sliding gosh. forward there's there's more chance of him hitting his his head but he was in there and the camera in the car was still going on. So they showed the replay of like, like you're saying of, of him and sparks flying and fire behind him, like right behind his head. I, you know, he got out of the car. They, you know, he, I don't know, got checked out. He quote unquote shook it off and then did his interview. And he's like, he's like, well, the terrible thing about being upside down is, is you're trapped. He goes, I saw fire and I've got a car on top of me. I can't get out. You're upside down. You're stuck. Now, the safety crew was really fast. Those guys did such a great job every time during the race. And, uh, you know, got got a little bit of the sparks and the fire out. But the tire, the wheel that flew off. Now, if you guys recall back. I read on, I read on your notes, you know, about that. And there, yeah. But that was a freak freaking accident. That I was mean, a freak from, accident. From the, so. from, from the commentators pointing it out and saying that it was sheared off immediately at the beginning of the accident. I mean, I get that there's tethers on there, and I get that they're tested, but I mean, you can't pre- you can't prevent you know something like that. I mean, although is yeah. it preventable? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it was a perfect storm. Right. So. In 1987, at the Indy Indy 500, a a tire flew off into the grandstands and unfortunately killed a spectator. And since then, they've come up with this tether system that when a wheel flies off, it has basically like a rope or chain or like bungee. I don't know what the exact material is. I'm sure it's more sophisticated. And you can see the other tire of his car held on by the tether. Right. And now when this thing... It came off so hard with such an impact. The theory is to the announcers, Townsend Bell and the guys and uh, James Hinchcliffe at the race was something sheared the tether because it was such a hard hit. And I don't know. It could be just like a sheet of carbon fiber that would just cut like a knife. Or or, right. The impact just maybe tore off the mounting point. And this thing launched like a rocket and you see it flying through the air, misses the grandstands on camera. It looks like I thought it not much and it 
flies over and crashes onto a Chevy Cruze. <laughs> um, Geico, uh, I just got in an accident, but you're never going to believe this. Uh, a tire from the Indy 500 flew off, missed the grandstands, and smashed my car. Yes. You don't believe me? I have it on video. I have it on video. That's exactly right. So uh, apparently uh, uh, the Penske crew that runs the Indy, Indy 500, um, the, the event, they were they were fantastic. And they were like, yeah, you know, we're going to get your car out of here. We're going to, you know, we're going to tell it where it needs to go. We're going to get you a ride home. We're going to invite you out to the starting line, to the brick uh to the bricks and and you know we'll we'll get you on camera real quick and and uh it was a wonderful lady she was uh she was laughing about it and she's like glad nobody was hurt it's kind of crazy that it hit my car she goes but right when it hit she's like i called my husband and and he's like is anybody hurt it's like no and he's like well that's hilarious (laughs) and then she was still in shock she's like what how is this funny he's like come on it's like a little funny and then she loosened up and she's like, no, you're totally right. It's it's kind of it's kind of funny. She walked out. She walked out and she saw the back of her car and she was like, oh, I'm good. It missed me. And she saw the front of the car and it, it kind of hit the front of the car because they go, it, it's, they're like, everybody, don't worry. It flew over the grandstands. It landed where the golf carts are parked. She's like, I parked where the golf carts are parked. Uh, and, it, and it hit her Chevy Cruze. Honestly, I saw that the picture of the damage it's like the driver's side front like headlight fender area now apparently it it like bounced off a roof of a building and then hit the car it didn't go full speed and i saw the damage i was like i get it there's damage it didn't look like enough damage to like flatbed the car out of there but the track was like we we got you you know we're gonna we're gonna get you a ride and you know police escort whatever you need and we're gonna flatbed your car and i'm sure they went a little above and beyond. Uh, but IndyCar is saying they want to investigate. They're already looking into it. They want to find out how this thing broke. I'm curious to find out after the fact, did the tether get sheared or was one of the mounting points broke off or something, which probably seems like more likely something mounted on the wheel side or the chassis side the impact was so hard that it just it just tore that you know it's probably like a welded ring and something you know and it's probably got like a like some sort of braided nylon strap or something and and it 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 broke off but that was scary to see but once we found out it didn't hit everybody it was it's like it was a little bit it was a little bit funny uh but you know crazy race it had everything we expected the Indy 500 to have um you know the the three the three red flags uh, is a little nerve wracking, I imagine, for the teams and the drivers and the fans. But so I have a question. Uh, when I I didn't watch it from the from the beginning, yeah. Gage and I turned it on. I think there was thirty laps to go. Okay, yeah. There were only, there were only six cars on the lead lap at the finish. How many cars finished? Oh, that, that's a good question. How many cars finished? Um, I don't like the top that, seven. Yeah, I don't. I don't have that. In I'm just. Me, I'm but, just curious. Yeah. Um. And I can tell you that racing on the uh, i racing and my simulator is a lot easier than actually doing it on the track. 
Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, so I that's a good question. So there was a few uh there was a few that were knocked out. I want to say 30 33 cars were in the field and uh I believe 19 finished on the lead lap. I think 19 I think 19 finished. Yeah. I just thought it was strange. I mean, is it something reminiscent of years past that, you know, with with only 20 laps left, there's only freaking six guys on the lead lap? Yeah. So there, one of them was out with a mechanical issue. Most of everybody else was out uh, with contact. Somebody, somebody got hit, some crash, some carnage, whatever. Yeah. So it looks like more out than in. You know, oh, looks 100%. like tw- 20, 20 cars. Uh, yeah, 19 in. Yeah. It's, how, many, how many finished on the lead lap? Well, it, the, the, the IndyCar results, the final results, uh, say that 19 cars finished the race, so they all must have finished on the last lap. I mean, you know, like, it's the last lap. All they had to do is was one lap yeah, and then my, my question is how many laps were they down? Oh who right. So on, who, who finished the race on the same lap as as the winner, meaning the number of laps, not the number, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, right, right, right. So uh, that's a good question. So um like it, how many people were a lap down when they finished? Or uh, actually, yeah that that it doesn't show me how many were were a lap down. Uh, Actually, since it was red flag, I mean, there are so many of them that could have garnered a better position because of the positioning of the red flag, the yellow flag. Oh, actually, uh, there was two drivers, Jack Harvey and Christian Lungard. Uh, they finished Harvey had 199 laps and and Christian had 198 laps on the 200 lap race. So two guys didn't they crossed the finish line but were two laps down and one lap down and then the other uh 17 uh people were finished the 200 laps they were able to catch up during those red flags right but they weren't necessarily a, a lap down the whole time they were just they were able to complete the last lap but with then, 20 but with 20 to go there were only six on the lead lap yeah yeah, I don't know. This it's anyway. It was pretty pretty was crazy. Pretty crazy to see. Pretty pretty crazy to see. Uh, like hopefully, it it seems like nobody was seriously injured. And by the way, uh, Graham was driving Wilson's car, and Wilson was able to attend the race. He had his back brace on, and and you could see very awkward, difficult to move. They're trying to keep him, you know, upright, but. Uh, he he posted from his hospital bed. He's like, I'm getting up, and he was able to go. By the way, super awkward. Like, I, are you in like a van or an SUV? Like, how do you drive there with that with the thing on? And I mean, listen, they showed him at the race. He looked excited to be there, and he was very happy to be there. And 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 he hooked, connected up with with Graham, and and they they chatted. And it's funny because, uh. I don't even think Graham was like expecting to go to the Indy 500 after that first thing happening. So I, 
I don't even think he was prepared to go to like the banquet. So he was like the night of the banquet. He's like, uh, I've got to, I've got to get a new suit. I've got to find a new suit. And anyway, we just kind of rushed and did it all in a day. So uh, the whole event, pretty nuts, pretty crazy to see. Um, it was exciting to see. Uh, and congrats to Joseph Newgarden. Um, you know, good dude. Seems like a great guy. And again, from watching the CW show, you you get to learn a bit, bit more about him and, and his family and what it takes to get there. And uh, uh, sorry, I hit my plug here. Um, anyway, it was good. It was good. A uh, good event. Definitely um, worth the price of admission for sure. Uh, all right. So shifting gears a little bit, hitting some of the news. The the uh, I don't think we touched on this last week. I think it came out um, right after we, we recorded. But uh, Jim Farley from Ford did a live Twitter event with Elon Musk, and they announced uh, Ford is going to have access to Tesla's supercharger network, 12,000 chargers. Um, that's pretty significant. Every time we talk to... Uh, to Alistair Weaver, he was like, "Whether you like Tesla or not, their 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 supercharger structure is is the best out there, and it's and it's kind of the thing um, that kind of gets you enticed into a Tesla." So they made a deal that uh, it'll it's going to be a little while, but in spring of next year, um, spring of twenty four. All electric uh, Fords will have access to the supercharger network. You will be able to get a, a an adapter plug that you can carry with you. Um, Elon said that the plug will will not slow down the charge. It won't. You know, some of the aftermarket plugs they have some issues. He's like, no, we're we're going to have one that's going to work uh, perfectly. Um, of course, you'll pay for the charging network, but you'll have access to it. And then, uh, so for anyone that has an an EV Ford, will will be able to get that plug. I'm sure you you buy it, you'll be able to get the plug. You can use the charger network. But then, the, any new Fords that are made, any new Ford EVs that are made, I think the 2025 model year, which will come out in 24, it'll have the plug built in like the Tesla. So you can just roll up to the te- Tesla network now. Anyway, that's that's enough of a partnership, enough of a statement that both Ford and Tesla's stock went up. Well, yeah, it, it needed to. It needed to. But if you think about it, it's it's pretty smart. If you're thinking about it, Ford's going, we just added 12,000 chargers to our network through the Tesla network. Super yeah, smart. Well, and Tesla's going, we've got another revenue source. We just picked up every single Ford EV that wants to pay and buy the plug. Like that's that's gonna be super smart. So And don't think they're gonna stop with Ford. Right. No. Uh and that's that's a good point, and that's pretty significant. Right. You gotta make you gotta make the money. Uh the other thing that you gotta make the said, money up because Twitter's tanking since his takeover. Tesla's not <laughs> doing that great. So I mean, yeah, you gotta you gotta farm it out. I, I we all know that this was part of his plan from the inception. Yeah, you know, it's funny because a couple of months ago we talked about it here how 
Mercedes intended to create its own like supercharger network at some point over the next few years, like Tesla did, and make it accessible to other brands for a fee. Uh, and they even, you know, they did their concept sketches, which looked like a gas station. Like, who knows? Maybe they were going to just like try to start buying some gas stations and maybe have both electric and fuel on point and going, hey, you know, here's here's our here's our plan. So that announcement probably got all of these companies thinking, going, yeah, maybe we should get ahead of this and we can do this as well. We can both make money and it's good for Ford. It's good for Tesla. So um, I I like Jim Farley. Uh, I've interviewed him a few times. We've hung out at the racetrack. Uh, he does a lot of vintage racing. Um, and he's, I think he's getting into the GT4. Uh, I don't know if he's going to race Le Mans, but he's, he's, he's racing a Ford Mustang this year or this coming year as well. By the way, he's doing that like all on his own, like out of his own pocket. He's just racing the car. Ford's not really involved other than he's getting into the program like everybody else. And what I've always liked about him uh, is he's, he's a pretty matter of fact guy. He's not full of marketing adjectives. Um, he's just, he's, he's pretty cut and dry. Um, and I like that about him. And he just, I don't know. He did an interview. I don't, I don't remember where it was, but he said, he said, these, these new cars that are coming out, the Ram 1500 and, and, and some of these new vehicles claiming they're going to get four or 500 miles. He's like, I don't know how they do it and they make money. He goes, we've done the math on this. The current battery technology that we have now, he goes, the reason why all of our cars are in that 300 mile range, 250 to 300, he goes, because you have to physically make a bigger battery and it's a lot more expensive and you can't get into the price point of that vehicle. He goes, so unless they intend to lose money on those vehicles, there's no point in getting more than the 300 mile range because financially it doesn't make sense. He's like, we can't do it. I don't know how anybody's going to do it. And he goes, until battery technology change, maybe the the solid state batteries or whatever in the future. He just straight up said it. He goes, that's why we're doing it. You know, so all of us going, why is it only 260 miles range, 100, 230 mile range? Because nobody wants to pay $150,000 for an F-150. <laughs> right? Yeah, but I, I, I don't think there's a lot of truth in that because no car company is going to build a car, make make a, a claim for it, and then know that they're going to lose money on each one that's sold. Right. So, well, I mean, I mean yes and no. It, it is, at the end of the day, about money. It is. It's about money. And there's been a few vehicles that have been halo cars for companies that are lost leaders, like the oh, yeah. Lexus LFA and you know, few few things like that. Um, uh, I want to say, um, uh, like the Porsche, maybe the Carrera GT, how that crept up in price. And, you know, there's a few things that were kind of lost leaders. It doesn't make sense for like Ram 1500 and F-150 to be a lost leader. Cause that's the cash cow for the company, right? Yeah, Those are multi-billion no dollar no way that's the case. platform. So, um, what's likely to happen would be, you're going to find something like, Oh, you get a Ram 1500 and it's got, you know, 280, 300 mile range. If you want the extended range battery, you can opt for that. 
but it's probably going to be a significant price increase, like eight or ten thousand dollar jump in price. So they're not saying, "Hey, the F, the, the Ram fifteen hundred EV is going to be a hundred and twenty five thousand dollars." It could be ninety one thousand dollars. But once you load it up to the limited edition with extended battery, now you're probably up there in the hundred plus hundred twenty range because someone's going to have to pay for that for that battery. Um, and maybe they try to offset it. Maybe they come up with versions going, well, you know, buying a particular vehicle comes with like the mandatory subscription. You got to pay now you got to pay X dollars a month and it unlocks certain features. And that rolls in the added cost of the battery. It's almost like going, Hey, I bought a hundred thousand dollar truck, but now I'm subscribing to my truck for 20 bucks a month. And now it's also paying for some of that, that battery subscriptions have always been, a, a strong business model because the, these companies are sort of guaranteed that money every month, regardless of what you do. Um, meaning you pay for Netflix. Who cares if you watch it or not? Netflix doesn't really care as long as you're paying them. But honestly, it's like, I mean, the, the big example that you and I can relate to, of course, is uh, a gym membership. New Year's runs around. Everybody has a New Year's resolution. January, February, gyms sell more memberships. Like they love that that windfall of cash. And by April, you know they're they're collecting you know eighty five percent of memberships, and only fifteen percent of the people start to show up anymore. And honestly, the structure of a of a gym with rent and equipment and maintenance and employment, like. They wouldn't be able to afford surviving anyway if it was like pay as you go. If it was just like if you just paid like five bucks every time you were 10 bucks every time you went to the gym, those gyms would never be able to survive. They've got to be able to get that monthly membership and 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 survive. And honestly, that's still a fairly small business. Like you've owned gyms uh in the past. Uh you, you know, your Muay Thai gym, your MMA fighting gym, stuff like that. It's like I, yeah, even even then, it's not like oh, this is a eight million dollar a year business. Like it's a, you know, one or two locations. It's still a, a small business. You think of how many, you know, how many, you know, like single owners or family owned, you know, gyms and stuff that are out there. Like that's, you know, right. they have to rely on on that monthly membership. You know, absolutely. Um. Uh, anyway, so that's what's going on there. Uh, I want to tell you guys about the Lexus RCF. So the RCF, this is the two-door, I'm going to say sports car, but it's more of a grand touring car. It's a little heavier than the sports cars that are out there, like M3 and Audi, like RS5. Um, but always, always a cool car to drive. Uh, I, I picked up the 2023 version, uh, the newest version, and this is kind of the last. It's a press car, but this is sort of the last hurrah for that car before maybe they come up with a new version. So they made a few updates to this car. Um, I would say the big thing is the infotainment system, the trackpad that they were using, you know, with slide your finger over the trackpad has always been frustrating. Now, the ergonomics of the car didn't really allow them to remove the trackpad, but the screen that they have in there now, which is a little bit larger, is now a touchscreen as well. So you can use the trackpad if you want to, but you can use it as a touchscreen. Uh, touch so they 
uh, I saw that in their SUV that they did a little while ago. Um, and now it's in, in the RCF. Now, <laughs> the first thing I, the first thing I noticed when I got into this car, and this is more about maybe what we're missing is I've been driving a lot of, of press cars and uh, the Genesis and stuff and my truck and um, everything has been for the most part an EV. And I've been getting more used to driving an EV. You know, it's quiet, good acceleration off the line, a little bit different kind of driving experience. And then Lexus shows up with, you know, a platform that's been around since 2014, but with a naturally aspirated V8, 472 horsepower, a fantastic exhaust note. And I realized like, Oh, I do kind of miss this. Uh, you kind of miss the the growl of the V8 and kind of that sports car feel and uh, the the noise you get as you just roll into the throttle, just coming off a stoplight and you hear that thing. Um, so not not to say that the EV isn't interesting because some of them are really fast and and the, the quietness adds to that interesting different sensation, uh, but. Getting back into like, listen, Lexus could have sent me one of the SUVs with the gas engine and it would have been still quiet, would have ran fine. But uh, coming right out of like the Genesis GV70 electric right into the V8, naturally aspirated, high RPM, 470. I remind you of what what you're really living for. You're like, oh, this is, I I do get this too. So uh, this was an interesting thing is, I, I I know it's crazy to think, you know, what can you do? Can you have multiple cars? But there is something to say about having the gas engine car, even as a weekend toy, even if it's like a Miata or something kind of fun sports car-ish like that. If you get into the EV, if you're commuting a lot and you want to charge at home, you don't want to go to the gas station, all the whatever benefits of the EV that make it different from the gas engine car. Uh, like, you know, I, my Ford lightning, I'm, I'm, I drove my Mach one, which is fantastic with the turbos to hear it. I put the windows down and, uh, I went to a cars and coffee event. I don't know if I mentioned this last time I went to a cars and coffee event. Maybe it was last weekend. And, um, uh, Eric Kendricks, we had him on the show, uh, NFL player plays for the chargers. He showed up in his GT three, I believe, uh, and then when we left the event, we're kind of in a line and everybody's kind of leaving the event and you hear all the crazy supercars go. And um, he's in front of me. Uh, I I roll in the throttle a little bit just to get some RPM, not, not necessarily a lot of speed, but I just want to get the RPM so I can hear the turbos. And uh, I pass by him and then we get to a stoplight. He rolls up in his Porsche and he goes, dude, those turbos sound sick. And he's like, that thing is so awesome. And I was like, yeah, I didn't even hear it. Cause when we did the audio system, we did the, the, the sound deadener all in the car. Right. So with the windows up, you hear the little whistle, but I put the windows down. I was like, oh my God, these turbos are loud. And they sound half sick. The reason, so, that's half the reason why you buy turbos. Oh my gosh. So now I got to get a video. I got to grab a friend and get a video. Uh, so you can hear this thing. Cause I forgot how cool that car sounds. So, 
getting into the Lexus, uh, it's it's a super fun car to drive. Um, the V8 sounds fantastic, and they're probably going to end this car next year. Uh, but yes, looking at the you know some of the V8 cars that are out there, Cadillac CT, you know, four CT five. Audi RS5, BMW M4, you know, the Lexus RCF. These are all real fun cars to get into, even if you have an EV. I've got to go down to uh, the San Diego area, Oceanside area um, next, this coming weekend. Uh, Adam Kroll is doing a show at the Belly Up, which your, your brother has. Uh, we should be having some Bravago down there. Uh, on the menu, we just... Um, the the GM over there put an order in. We've got a guy trying to, we're trying to get our distributor to put it over there. So if you want to come down and uh, see the show, have a drink, uh, try it out, let us know what you think. But the reality is for that drive, I may want to take my truck because I'm driving down alone. And here I've got, cause it's an EV. I qualified for the, for the, for the carpool lane stickers, and you've done the drive, Bill. You've done the drive back and forth. In my sleep, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, like, I, there's an advantage to getting into the carpool lane. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And if I had somebody to go with me, but, you know, Tammy's got to go to New York. She's working in New York. So I got to go down myself. So I'm like, I got to just park the Lexus for the night and take the truck down there because it's an EV and I want to get in the carpool lane. So anyway, that's that's kind of the plan there. So anyway, like the Lexus a lot. Now it starts at about 80,000 bucks. The one that I'm driving is not the Fuji edition, which is kind of over the top track edition. Um, so the one I'm driving comes in at about 90,000, uh, just under a hundred thousand, but yeah, an RCF is about a hundred thousand bucks. Um, which I guess is kind of on par with, with its competitors. Uh, but, um, Fun, fun car. Super fun. I would be remiss in not uh, shouting out my son's baseball team. And my son, he's become quite the uh, interviewer on local news. I saw that. uh, Yeah, they're kicking ass, man. Fourth round of the playoffs. Played tomorrow night. uh, Bernie Champion High School here in Bernie, Texas. And uh, it's the first time they've gone this far in the playoffs. or Actually, only the second time in existence they've gone this far. So I'm very excited for the kids. Just have to shout it out there. And uh, the last team that they beat, they can kiss my ass because you saw those shirts that they made. Um, I didn't. I didn't see that. No, well, they made these shirts. We showed up for the last game, and they thought they were going to kick our ass. Right? It was. It was uh, do or die, win or go home. And uh, this guy walks right up to me right when I walk through the gate. He's got this shirt on that says uh, Corpus Christi Ray equals, and then it had me sparing Brock Lesnar. <laughs> And then it had Bernie Champion, you know, underneath that they got their ass kicked. Yeah, yeah. Gage, Gage does the interview afterwards after I handed him a shirt. And they were very gracious. I mean, it pissed me off for a second. But, hey, it's all good, man. It's all They're fun. They're kids yeah. having fun. You got to jab a little. They weren't kids. <laughs> it was all the parents. Yeah, well. All the parents. And so they came up to me, you know, during the game, before the game, during the game. Hey, well, check out my shirt. I'm gonna, will you sign it for me? I'm like, yeah, I'll sign it for you after the game. Yeah. So I signed every shirt six to two. Us uh, have a nice drive home. (laughs) 
That's fantastic. And I, listen, I thought I, it was pretty funny, man. We just shoved it in their face. But it, I mean, it was it was fun, man. We went down to Corpus Christi, two hour drive, two hour drive tomorrow again. But I'm very excited for these kids and their coach, man, has done an unbelievable job. I know this is not a uh, sports podcast by any stretch, but man, I, I I would be remiss if I did not give them a shout out. Uh, I, I saw them on social media. They did a great job. I saw the clips that uh, you put up and wanted to put up. And I saw a part of, of Gage's uh, interview. And uh, I don't know. He's got a little bit of that WWE confidence in him. And he was literally like, he's like, yeah, you know, it's good that we just came in. We were super confident. We were able to win because of our attitude. Like, and I was like, yeah, all right, all right, there, big guy. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's providing locker room pinups for the <laughs> team. But hey, it is man, he's six or seventeen now, and they're having fun. I mean, it's it's awesome. I'm just, they, I'm just- uh, I I remember I remember doing it in uh, well, you know, when I was his age you know, track meets and baseball and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, uh, it was, it was fun. And you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta poke the bear a little bit. You gotta jab a little bit. That's, that's, oh, part, yeah. of, that's oh, yeah. part of the camaraderie of the whole thing. If, like you said, at the end of the day, those teams have a lot of respect for each other, then, uh, uh, I think it's all in good fun. So and oh, like, uh, it's been, it's been a really cool experience throughout the playoffs. Each team that we've gone up against and fortunately beaten, They've been very gracious, you know, during the during the battles uh, and and afterwards. And so, you know, it's been a terrific experience. I'm just ecstatic that that he's able to do something like that because only one time uh, in my athletic career was I a part of a team that went that far in the playoffs. We ultimately won at the World Football League, but um, it's it's really special, man, and it's something you can that may never be replicated on a team that you're on. So, I mean, right. you just take it to what it is and, and enjoy the moment. And, and, and so where do they go next? Like what, how many, how many potential games to win the whole thing or is, is. Well, is right that- now they're one of eight teams in the top. Well, eight, eight teams buying for the five, a uh, state championship. So they're in the top eight right now. And then there's going to be some elimination for of the eight. So they're going to, they yeah, got a few we, games. Three, we, we have a three game series this week um, against an unbelievable team. And, uh, you know, the fairy tale ride may be over, but it may not be. So, I mean, yeah. well, well, we'll find out next week. We'll see how uh, we'll get the update next week. See how they're doing. Um, yeah. All right. We're going to, we're going to wrap things. Uh, we're going to wrap things up, but um, yeah, man, guys, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for, uh, Order the Bravago at drinkbravago.com and hopefully you guys like it. Uh, some guys have been posting me great pictures over the Memorial Day weekend of giant slabs of meat with cans of Bravago off in the background. So I I appreciate that. And uh, uh, yeah, man, uh, love it. Thanks. Um, you know, we got some shirts, we got some dog treats, some hats. So if you guys order the stuff, we got the swag there too. And everybody out there in the iRacing world, watch the frick out because I am... I am putting in laps day after day after day. <laughs> All right. That'll be fun. All right, guys. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheels. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast 
is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit carcastshow.com. We'll be right back. 